This is Strange Assembly episode 316, Forbidden Religions. This is Chris Stevenson. I'm here today to talk about Forbidden Religions. RPG Kickstarters frequently spawn multiple supplements, and the Onyx Path campaign for Cults of the Blood Gods was no exception. The final additional supplement from that one was Forbidden Religions, which I believe also makes it the very last Onyx Path published Vampire the Masquerade book. So is Forbidden Religions a revelation or a last gasp? Let's take a look. Forbidden Religions pitches itself as a source book on faiths that are clandestine and taboo within kindred society. Perhaps perverse or malicious or threatening to collapse entire domains. This is somewhat overstating things. Many of the religions here aren't forbidden, or they're forbidden only to the extent that they're inconvenient for some local vampire in power, not because they're doing anything any more objectively heinous than, you know, the usual stuff that vampires get up to. Or, or, they might be doing heinous things and, you know, they're actually in power, because, alas, those two things are not mutually exclusive. Many of them are just odd or inconvenient. This doesn't make them less interesting. In fact, in some ways it might make them more interesting, but this is not a collection entirely made of even more evil stuff than normal vampire society. So here's a, here's a big notion of the kind of religions that you're going to find in Forbidden Religions. A Methuselah cult of Ventru warriors, notable for being led by a neonate and being perhaps a bit too aggressive with the Second Inquisition. Or a group of militant Tremere who want to restore the pyramid. There's a group of Nosferatu who worship the Niktuku and offer them sacrifices if you're not steeped in the lore, the Niktuku are Nosferatu boogeymen who are said to be direct child of the Nosferatu antediluvian who are out to kill all of the normal Nosferatu for being, you know, huge disappointments. These Nosferatu then worship the Niktuku and sacrifice to them in hopes of being spared. There are the Heralds of Urshulgi. Again, for those who know your vampire metaplot, prior to V5... Urshulgi essentially ruled the Banu Hakim. He rose from torpor, looked around, got super pissed off at all of these vampires putting their notions of God above their loyalty to Hakim, and began an extensive purge of the clan. This is part of what started driving the Banu Hakim into the arms of the Camarilla. So this is essentially presenting his sort of, I think he's personally missing now, but the sort of structure of that Methuselah cult, antediluvian cult, whatever it is, that has replaced mortal religions amongst the traditional Banu Hakim. There's a fratricidal diablery cult who believes that if Cain's essence is just consolidated enough in a small enough number of vampires, then they'll be able to get rid of the beast. There's a scam slash cult who believe that by pretending to be a mortal family, they can transcend undeath, better known as dying and leaving everything to the ghouls who actually run the cult. There are the Aramites, who you may recognize as being named after an ancient type of Christian hermit. 
The Aramites believe in enlightenment through self-denial and isolation. There's a group of vampires who believe that they can achieve Golconda by uplifting the mortals around them and, you know, then drinking the blood of said uplifted mortals. There's a group of Hakata who, falsely, believe that they have been personally selected to carry out the Capuchin's mysterious plans, but are, you know, really just doing someone else's dirty work. There's a group of vampires who still think that it's all about those signs of Gehenna that we as players used to fixate on so much back in the old metaplot. Is anyone out there still looking for that woman with the crescent moon birthmark? Well, they are. There's a Hakata-focused Gehenna cult that seeks to bring on the apocalypse through ecstatic practices and murdering every supernatural being in the vicinity. But they also are working on tracking the efficacy of different methods of resisting the beckoning, which is the sort of thing some vampires might be interested in. There's another cult that is centered on a ritual that frees the vampire from literally drinking blood, but still requires human sacrifice. Oh, and then it makes the vampire more vulnerable to Diablerie, which I am sure, positive, has nothing whatsoever to do with the fact that the founder of the cult has a you know, liking for Diablerie. There's the vampire version of hillbilly horror, although it's in, you know, rural Canada, technically. And there's a vampire dining club that uses its exclusive but publicly known dinner events with all the sort of special things on the menu you might imagine for a group of Kinjin to hide the fact that these vampires kidnap and consume other vampires' touchstones. And there's some wannabe infernalists. Okay, so the first thing I would note is that only a few of these concepts are decently workable for player characters in a vaguely normal chronicle. Militant Tremere? Sure. Militant Ventru? Sure. Trying to help people out and then eating them? Sure, that's that's like pretty standard, right? Those can be readily worked into a, a chronicle, but... Vampires who want to hang out by themselves in a cave for months at a time? Vampires who never, ever, ever want to break their act of being mortal? Several iterations of I want to kill everyone who isn't a part of my cult, oh, and maybe everyone who is in my cult? These don't work well as player character concepts. The book acknowledges this for some of them, but I think it's a a bit more widespread than the book acknowledges. But... Even though these might not make good PCs, that doesn't mean that they can't make good non-player characters. And so that's why, to me, this is almost exclusively a storyteller book. Sure, there are some lore sheets that don't require the character to be a member of a cult, but to me, what you're really looking at here is a source that storytellers can mine for ideas. Uh, Like I mentioned, there there are some of these cults that are nominally location-specific, but all of them that have some location-specific thing, you can really just drop them anywhere. Some of the cults that are, are least suitable for use as player characters are the most interesting for use as NPC story hooks. It can be the very weirdness or incompatibility for no, quote-unquote normal characters that can make them interesting as NPCs. And there are good story hooks in here. Different brands of fanatical assassins make easy enemies, and 
that's a great boon to a storyteller, right? Easy matters. Weird, isolated kindred cults can make great standalone stories to add into a chronicle. Some of the cults also lend themselves to more complicated political or moral plots. Do the player characters care enough to try to free other kindred from the grip of some obviously fraudulent religion? Or do they just take advantage of the situation? And that's just the easy stuff. Of course, with some expansion, many of these could produce long-term entanglements in a chronicle as well. There would be a lot of room to play as the PCs try to figure out whether uh, this particular group of Gehenna cultists are just well-intentioned researchers or are seeking to unleash Unholy Taylor. Those wannabe infernalists may have no special powers, but what happens if that organization starts to attain real political power? As I referenced earlier, there are some mechanics in this. There are some rituals that are very specifically tied to certain cults to make them function, but these really aren't useful outside of I'm playing in that cult. But there are also a couple handfuls of merits and flaws on the theme of religion and faith. You might have a merit that lets you resist the power of true faith, or as a flaw, you might act as a beacon that attracts those who have true faith. Any vampire might be interested in the cold, dead hunger merit, which makes it easier to resist hunger frenzy. And another interesting one is for the, the religious who might suffer a crisis of faith, you can take willpower damage as an extra negative consequence anytime you have a bestial failure. If you watch the YouTube channel, you know I like lore sheets. There are six new ones here. Very briefly, there's the 1444 chamber, which is for Hakata only, which makes a character an agent of the ruling council of that clan. Blood asceticism is probably necessary for playing anything like an Aramite. You could also mechanically work that for any sort of character who makes a big deal out of denying themselves human blood. The flavor doesn't quite match up, but you know, you can adjust the flavor and then use those mechanics. There's a Gehenna cults lore sheet that is for the most part, about finding those cults, hunting them down, that sort of thing. A vampire who wants to literally spread disease, possibly supernatural in nature, can check out the Plagues of Gehenna lore sheet. The militant Tremere and Ventru get their options. There's the Prepositor for the Tremere and the Spear of Orthia for the Ventru. Out of those six, the clan-specific lore sheets are probably the most readily useful. These line up with concepts where the cult in question is more playable. You could just use Militant Tremere, Militant Ventru, have a particular flavoring to it. Oh, I'm an agent of the Hekata. Those you can throw in. The other ones are probably harder to work into a, a normal sort of chronicle. So at the end of the day, Forbidden Religions is a really narrow book that is best suited for storytellers and diehards. I'm the sort of fan who, you know, backs the Kickstarter, gets all of the included PDFs, and then pays again to get the print-on-demand version, because apparently I like to look around my library, have an anxiety attack, and wonder how it is that it came to take up so much space. And Forbidden Religions does a solid job presenting the subject of these very narrow vampire cults in a way that storytellers can pick and choose how to use in Chronicles. But 
It remains the case that the overwhelming majority of them range from fairly unsuitable to completely unsuitable for use as a player character. The handful of clan-specific lore sheets don't really make up for that from the perspective of someone who's considering this purely from the point of view of a player of the game. So Forbidden Religions has a place, but it is a narrower one than most other Vampire the Masquerade books. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to this podcast there, on the Apple Podcasts app, through Amazon, Spotify, whatever podcatching service you use, we should be on there. If we're not, I would appreciate if you would let me know. You can reach me. I'm chris at strangeassembly.com. Always like to hear your feedback. You can also find us at the usual social media. We're at Strange Assembly on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly, and at Strange Assembly on Instagram. But until then, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.